This is the Salvationist Podcast. I'm Kristen Austinson. When the Salvation Army began in London, England, early Salvationists faced opposition from various groups, including one called the Skeleton Army. The confrontations between the Skeletons and the Salvation Army often resulted in open rioting, even violence. The dramatic true story of this conflict comes to life in a new musical called Skeleton Army, which will make its Canadian debut at the Salvation Army's Inspire Conference and Congress in June. On this episode of the Salvationist Podcast, Catherine and Kyle Higgins, the stars of Skeleton Army, give us a behind-the-scenes look. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Kyle. Welcome to the Salvationist Podcast. Hello. Hi. It's great to have you today. Um, So first off, can you tell us what is Skeleton Army all about? Uh, Skeleton Army is a musical that is set in 1860s London, so right at the beginning of um, the Salvation Army. It focuses on uh, a man, a real historical man named Charles Jeffries, who was a um, a leading member of the anti-Salvation Army gang called the Skeleton Army. And story focuses on his um, his relationship with the Salvation Army and his conversion into the Salvation Army uh, that happens during the, the musical. And um, and also about kind of his legacy afterwards. He he actually goes from being like the top general in an anti-Salvation Army gang to being the principal at the International College, the College for Officers Training in, in London. So he it's, it's such a great um, transformation story that it's kind of kind of hard to read his his life and not want to turn it into something dramatic. Yeah, it sounds like there's so much drama to be mined there. And uh, how cool is it that it's actually based on a true story and and not just a fictional one? Um, So how did the two of you first get involved in the production of Skeleton Army? And uh, what drew you to the story? It was Neil LaDuke, actually, who took the the story of Skeleton Army and Charles Jeffries specifically, his story of redemption, and thought, wouldn't this be a great musical? And this was years ago. This is like 2017. Um, and he, I think he had just been sharing this idea of like a, a really large show with a big cast um, with a few people he cared about. And um, I don't know how he and I originally connected, but my husband and I were looking for a show to do. Um, we have a friend, Brad Kane, who's a director who we wanted to work with him. We wanted to do a two-person show. And I was searching high and low for a two-person musical that we could kind of take on the road that what that had that was faith-based. And it it's really hard to find a two-person faith-based musical that is compelling. Um, so I I can't remember how I first got wind of uh, Neil's idea. But we connected and he shared his ideas with me. And I remember thinking, I wonder if this could be two people, which would is a wild thought because the show is about essentially two gangs. We've got the Salvation Army and the Skeleton Army. So right there, that's a cast of, you know, several hundred people. <laughs> um, but 
you know, could we do it just for two? And that's when I connected with Len Ballantyne, the great, who is also my dad, uh, and Brad Kane and Neil. And we brought everybody into New York to have a chat and see how could this idea evolve? Oh, and of course, how silly of me, John Copeland uh, is the writer. And he, Neil came with piles of ideas and we kind of hashed it out as a team before leaving it with John, the writer and Len, the writer of the music. And they kind of took it from there. So we had this one meeting where we had threw all these ideas around and then the two of them took it and ran with it. And it, that's, um, that's kind of how it ended up, hmm. how it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so how long was that between sort of the initial idea and then the debut, which happened in New York in 2019? Um, well, yeah, I think we first got together, maybe discussions were beginning 2017, 2018. And then we tried to open the show. We did several previews and in the final preview, uh, we kind of did previews in different locations. When you're starting a new show, you can't just write it and direct it and then throw it at a crowd um, and say that's the end because you really need to feel it out with the audience and um, feel the pace of it and understand the give and take and what's missing or what's too long. And uh, so you need those previews to kind of, and space between them for us anyway, creating a new production to, to really get specific about what we wanted it to, to say and how it needed to look. Uh, but in the last preview, Kyle, maybe you want to tell this story, uh, ruptured his Achilles tendon. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was during the rehearsal right before the preview. And, yeah, it set us back. A what happened? Months. Um, in uh, in one of the rehearsals, we were just going through it. And I guess um, I, guess I got too passionate. And uh, I pivoted really quickly. And... <laughs> I heard this popping sound. I thought one of the drama blocks had, had fallen or something. Oh, no. um, and I thought it fell on my leg. And I kind of sat down and realized, no, this, this all happened internally. Um, oh. We've got to get to the emergency room. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so the recovery was rough. This incident pushed the show back um, about six months, yeah. right, Kyle? It's, it's a major surgery and long recovery. So we ended up having to push the opening. Yeah. Yeah. But we opened eventually. <laughs> it, mu- it must have made it all the more sweet when you did open, um, kind of having overcome some uh, unfortunate but, obstacles. Um, yeah. And when you did debut officially in 2019, how did it go? And, and how did people respond? I thought it went great. Um it was, it was really neat being able to uh, open up in the heart of New York City. It felt kind of extra special doing it there. Um, we opened at Times Square Core in New York. They have this uh, really nice kind of black box theater space. And it, it suited the, um, the way that the play was staged, which is kind of, it's, it's almost in the round. It's uh, for a team stage, so you're surrounded by the... Uh, by the audience while you're performing and is is a nice enclosed space that's just perfect for the energy of the show. 
Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Um, and Catherine, as you mentioned, your father, Major Len Ballantyne, uh, wrote the music and lyrics. So this really is a family affair because, of course, you two are a married couple. Um, so what has that part of the experience been like doing this as almost as like a family? Well, amazing because, well, I've never had a musical written specifically for me. You know, you, you end up having uh, in theater, you play roles, you fit yourself into a role um you get hand music and you go well i guess i better figure out how to hit that note which i've never done before or uh you know developing an accent that is not your strong suit but um with this show it was really really unique to basically my i i don't think anyone knows me as well as my dad, you know, no one knows you as well as your family. So having something written specifically for you, right in your range, knowing what your um, strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, it was when we first got the music and we started singing through it, I was like, wow, this fits right in the pocket. <laughs> you know, this is how, this is a really interesting feeling. So yeah, just from that sense, like um, really exciting to have something written with you in mind. I don't know that that's ever happened before for me. Yeah, no, that is very cool. Um, did you have conversations with your father sort of behind the scenes to uh, talk about some of those musical decisions or did he just sort of know and, and wrote yeah. it that way? Well, he knows, you know, he, we, I grew up, <laughs> he would transpose everything down because I wanted to belt everything when I was young, younger. Yeah. So uh, we, we lived, we lived many years with him editing music on the fly or transposing on the fly to accommodate for what I was uh, excited about doing. So I think he was already, it was just sort of innate for him to put it in a, you know, keep it in a certain range or know that a certain character would have, well, for example, um, I play three characters that one of them is a Salvation Army officer who has had a, maybe more of an upper class upbringing and her voice needed to reflect that. And uh, her message was you know, heavenly. So she has a more, all of her, all of the music is written for her a little higher up, a little more head voice uh, versus the Scarlet barmaid character. Who's going to wail. She's, she's going to keep it low and brash. And that's, what's fun about having something written for you and, and jumping between those characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very neat. Um, and of course, as a married couple, uh, how would you sort of describe that dynamic on stage? Cause it is just the two of you and, you know, you're playing off each other the whole time. There's never been who I've been uh, more comfortable with acting on stage. I think we we're very good at reading each other. Um, just kind of like silent cues. And there's, there's a natural chemistry, I think, that immediately was apparent. And, and, um, and we get to practice at home, too, which, which helps. <laughs> mm. That's true. Yeah. yeah. You can always run lines, like, 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, Catherine, you mentioned that you do play three parts in, the, in Skeleton Army. Mm -hmm. you, play, you play a barmaid, a Salvation Army officer, mm -hmm. and then Charles Jeffrey's wife. Those are three very different characters. Um, do you have a favorite? Yes. Which one do you enjoy playing the most and why? 
Oh boy. Well, my favorite is Scarlet the Barmaid because <laughs> she's fun and sassy and maybe the most like me. Oh yeah. Would you say Kyle? Yeah, I think, well, maybe that's what I want to think, <laughs> but I think, I think I'm fun and sassy, but uh, yeah, I think I like playing her um, specifically because she has this, well, there's a few reasons. Number one, her accent is a real East Londoner accent uh, where I grew up. So it feels like home to speak in her voice. It almost feels like my voice had my life trajectory kept me in London, uh, but it did not. Here I am very far away but uh her journey as a character is so interesting because she is rough around the edges and very protective of her heart doesn't let people in and as the show progresses because the audience has watched her crack jokes and watch her be kind of rough and tumble with the guys at the bar and um, you know, nothing, nothing can bother me and uh, watching her go from, from that to someone who has something to say, who has some, who has heart, who has a soul and who is learning that there is light and light in the world. Um, And her world is so dark. That arc is so fun to play. Um, and it's impossible not to be connected because she's she's just so raw. I'll comment one more thing about her is that, and this is what I love about theater in general, is when you can make people laugh, um, you tear down their guard, which opens up the gate to feeling sensitive. Hmm. <laughs> I don't think that Scarlett would have the impact on the audience that she does if she wasn't so funny and quirky at the beginning mm. um, because everybody's already gotten so comfortable with her. Yeah. There's something special about how close laughter and sensitivity is to each other. Like within our own hearts that once you're laughing at something, you can e- start to cry <laughs> almost, you know, we've all done it. We've laughed so hard. We cried. It's just a close, those are close emotions. Yeah, no, I think you're really right. Um, and Funny characters are often very endearing too, right? There's, there's, mm. it builds almost like a feeling of friendship with this, this fictional character. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Kyle, how about you? What is your uh, favorite scene or moment in Skeleton Army? There's a scene called the, uh, that we call the lamppost scene. And it's, it's near the middle of the play and Charlie and Scarlet kind of have, um, have a conflict where Scarlet finally reveals how she's actually feeling and Scar- uh, Charlie's kind of blown away by it. The, uh, the words, just how they were written by John Copeland really flow nicely and they're, they're great. It's a great scene. So that's probably my favorite, uh, one to do as an actor. I like, uh, I like the, the bar scene at the start too, because I get to hand, um, faux, uh, beer chalices to the audience members and get them to drink it's, it's ginger ale but <laughs> that's nice. it's a lot of fun yeah we're like forcing the the audience members to down an entire pitcher of ginger ale and it's always <laughs> uh, big energy and big fun nice so warning to uh, everyone in attendance you may be conscripted to uh take part in the play <laughs> yeah a little sticky too <laughs> yeah, a little sticky. okay there's a splash zone there's a splash zone yeah, <laughs> definitely. 
There, <laughs> um, there's absolutely a spark sound. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Catherine? Do you have a, uh, a favorite scene or a moment in the play? Yeah, my fa- I was going to say when you asked the question, my favorite scene was also the lamppost scene, which I, I hope people e- even recognize that it is a lamppost that we're standing beside <laughs> um, one of the coat racks. We have a really minimal set and it all transforms into different locations. So we have these two coat racks that are the the doorway of the bar and then they become the coat rack, go figure. And we put it up on a box and the top of the coat rack turns on a light bulb. And hmm. now we're at a lamppost and it's nighttime with just this little suggestive light bulb that's been masked throughout the show. So that's why we call it the lamppost scene just between us, but I don't think it's written in the script at all. <laughs> yeah, that scene is so exciting because I think it's the first time that we get phys- more physical um, like towards each other, right, Kyle? Like there's, it's, I wouldn't call it, well, it is stage combat, um, but not, mm, it's not a fight. It's a verbal fight that could get physical, but the audience isn't sure if, if it's going to go too far or not. And, having one foot on either side of that line is exciting. Like, are we going to blow off? Is this going to, is this going to go South or are we going to keep it together here? And mm. that, that's fun to play as an actor. Mm. I also have a favorite moment where Scarlett, the barmaid really speaks her heart at the, we call it the watch night service. Uh, it's this great big long monologue. Well, I'm just recalling that it's not just that, that whole watch night scene at the end. Uh, I go from the captain to Scarlett back to captain and it's like three or four pages of straight monologue. And Kyle gets to, you get to go take a sip of water. <laughs> well, I'm going back and forth as talking to different characters who are essentially talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really fun, that's a fun section of the script where uh, I, it looks like two characters, but it it is just me. But even in my own mind, I'm thinking it's, two characters i'm i'm seeing scarlet when i'm captain i'm seeing captain when i'm scarlet maybe that's a a problem psychologically that i'm seeing people but (laughs) (laughs) it it feels real (laughs) yeah oh that sounds really neat and also kind of intense um and skeleton army is an 80 minute one act play no no breaks in there really um does it feel like a marathon or a sprint how do you sort of keep your energy and focus going when you when you don't really get much of a break how do you do it kyle yeah i get lost in the character and it's it's so much fun to be up there that i don't i i don't really even consider my energy i'm i'm always more energetic at the end of the show than i am at the start i find just because the emotions kind of accelerate my my excitement, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But I've got it a little bit easier than than Catherine because as she was saying, there's there's a whole there's a whole chunk right near the the middle of the play where Catherine is playing all three characters essentially and I, I just get to go in the back of the stage and have a nice long drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> Like the guys in the marathon who get on the taxi and meet them at the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true, Kyle, about feeling really energetic throughout. And I would say while I'm on stage, and I think you probably feel this too, when we're on stage, 
you're so engrossed in the character. You're so engaged in connecting with each other and connecting with the audience because the show is so interactive. Um, the audience becomes the skeleton army. They become the patrons at the bar. They become the congregation at the church service. So there, it's just go, go, go. And then if you ever get a chance to step off and have a sip of water, that's when the exhaustion hits. Like when I'm not in the zone and suddenly I step out of it and I'm just myself <laughs> for five seconds going like, Ooh, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> but then you jump right back in and you forget because, uh, I don't think you'd make it through if you, if you thought about it the whole time, you're just, you're invested. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really neat. Uh, this sort of losing yourself in the character and, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and the involvement of the audience, that's going to be so cool too. How are you feeling about bringing the play to Canada? I mean, especially considering there is such a strong Canadian connection with, with, with various uh, Canadian folks involved, what sort of excites you the most about bringing it to Canada and to the, uh, conference this year a lot of my family hasn't actually seen the show yet i'm thrilled to be able to bring it to them and actually get them to see it because it's this thing that we've been talking about oh yeah we're doing skeleton army we're performing skeleton army for years and my parents haven't seen it um my my grandma hasn't seen it my brother hasn't seen it so i'm really excited to to bring it to them yeah absolutely and uh how about you Catherine? yeah it'll feel like a homecoming like kyle said just being able to show our friends and family what what has been such a integral part of our lives the last few years yeah i'm really i'm really excited to bring it to to canada yeah for sure and so what's sort of the bottom line why should people come see this this play i'm convinced (laughs) it sounds amazing what is your elevator pitch why why do why does everybody need to come see uh skeleton army at the conference this year Great music, historical, so you're learning about the Salvation Army, and it's an inspiring story Mm -hmm. of transformation. Mm -hmm. My elevator pitch is if you are struggling to believe that God can redeem the garbage in your life, then this show is for you. It certainly sounds like it has a very powerful message. And um, as I said, I am really looking forward to seeing it myself. And uh, I hope everybody else uh, comes along as well. So I just want to thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. It's been great to chat with you and hear about the play. And we'll see you here in Toronto in just a few months. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salvationist Podcast. For more episodes, visit salvationist.ca slash podcast. And to register for the Inspire Conference and Congress, visit salvationist.ca slash inspire.